I'm encouraging buyers to put their seller hat on and let's think about what would make a seller feel like you're sexy as hell, right? Mm-hmm. Like when they're reading your offer and they see the background and the cover page and the letters recommendations and, and the case study, when they're seeing that, like what makes you stand out? Mm-hmm. Like that would, those are some of the things that can really make you stand out, right? Yep. Um, but probably the number one thing Welcome back to the Passive Road to Retirement Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Jarrett. Today, we are joined by Bo Berry. Bo helps multifamily investors from beginners to the most elite in the world buy and sell more assets. He earned a bachelor's degree in marketing and a master of science degree in real estate from the University of Florida, as well as the prestigious Certified Commercial Investment Member designation, CCIM. He has been in commercial real estate business in Florida since 1999. In 2011, he teamed up with Todd Rainsberger, a successful commercial realtor, to acquire an interest in Coldwell Banker Commercial. There, he was consistently ranked as the number one multifamily producer in Florida for Coldwell Banker Commercial brand and among the top five in the nation every year before starting his own private multifamily brokerage firm in 2021. Bo, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, man, the same here. I'm excited about it. Let's do it. Same. So for the audience, uh, maybe if someone you know hasn't heard you, give us a little more background information and kind of how you got into the commercial sales. Yeah, sure. Uh, so after my degree in marketing from UF, I actually went and worked for Tremel Crow Residential, which at the time I didn't know was one of the largest department developers in the country. And I was just an on-site leasing and management guy, right? On, mm-hmm. on a 444 unit community, fell in love with it. I mean, I I had a really cool property manager. She would show me the books, the, the P&Ls, the balance sheets. And oh, I watched wow. essentially 800 tenants pay for this $25, $30 million asset, which is now close to a $70 million asset. Mm. And, and just thought, oh my God, like, I don't even see the owners. Like, I, I mean, they don't even show up. It's just <laughs> right. like this thing's being paid for. Yeah. I was like, how do I, how do I get into this business, right? <laughs> Light bulb. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, and Tremel Crow back then paid for education, you know, to a degree. So I went and got my real estate license. And when I was getting my real estate license, everyone was talking about the University of Florida master's program. So I did that master's degree in real estate. Um, went and worked for AMJ, which is a, a commercial developer and investor. So we acquired office, retail, industrial, multifamily. I brokered and managed the portfolio um, and then went into full-time brokerage by acquiring the Cobalt Banker Commercial. And I've um, specialized just in multifamily since then. That was around 2009, 2010, somewhere in there. Okay. Um, and the rest is history. I do anything over 10 units. Um, conventional or student housing. Um, if you looked at my bell curve, most of my deals are between 20 and 200 units. Mm-hmm. I do several that are over 200 units. Um, I usually don't go below 20 units all that much, um, but that's that's my wheelhouse. I cover the northern half of Florida. And, you know, so basically like Orlando, Lakeland, Winter Haven is kind of my southern border. And then all the way up to Tallahassee, Jacksonville, and anything in between. Okay. All right. Great. Yeah. What a, what a difference in pricing, huh? From 25 to 70. Oh man, it's crazy. Years is crazy, right? (laughs) Yeah, it really is. And, uh, and of course, you know, in in the $25 million sale or I think it was 25 or 30 was historic at that time. Right. Yep. Yep. 
Now you deal with, uh, I'm sure you get a lot of new buyers come into the market. I mean, Florida has massive migration, you know? Sure. What's uh, what's the main thing you look for when you speak with a new buyer? Is there anything they can do to, you know, kind of get top of mind or, you know, what's yeah. your thoughts on that? So I, I guess there's, there's, there's two types of new to me, right? There's someone who is maybe very experienced, owns lots of units in other markets or other states, and then comes into Florida what I ask for typically then is, you know, I'd love to see kind of a, a bio on themselves, what their backgrounds are, make a list of the assets that you own and addresses, or mm-hmm. point me to a website. Sure. Um, who are your partners? What are their backgrounds? Uh, you know, who have you done business with on the broker side? Um, who have you done business with on the debt side? You know, it's nice to just kind of know if we have any people that we know um, in between us, right? And to kind of, to kind of you know, background check you. Um, and, and we do all this for two reasons. Number one, we want to make sure we're not wasting our time. Number two, more importantly, that's what the seller wants. Okay, I, I, I want to I be able to, to talk you up as a buyer. Even if you own 5,000 units in California, you know, that gives you an edge in Florida, but it, mm-hmm. it's not as important as someone who owns 5,000 units in Florida. Right. And so I want to be able to talk you up even more if I can to a seller if you're in a multiple offer situation. Mm-hmm. The other new buyer would be, let's just say, the newbie, right? The new buyer. And, you know, one of the worst things I think you can do, um, maybe some brokers will disagree, is calling up and saying, I'm a new buyer, <laughs> right. right? I mean, that's you don't want to do that because yeah. now you're a newbie in my head. Um, you're just, you know, you, you, it's really hard for you to compete with even a mediocre investor if you don't own any units, don't have any relationships with other brokers, with debt sources, equity sources, property managers, construction companies, phase one, you know, all this stuff, (laughs) all I'm thinking about as a broker is, if this person turns in an offer, they're gonna spend the first two, three weeks even getting to know the market. And and they're gonna spend another two or three weeks trying to find people who can do the things they need to do with the asset and find the things that the inspection people. And so, you know, just, that would make me look bad. That would, you know, uh, the, the seller's not going to want to do any, any additional deals with that person. So my suggestion for that type of new person is before you even make any calls and get into it, team up with a mentor. You've yeah. got it. That's the only way you even have a shot, right? right. Is to team up with someone who already owns units, already has connections, you know, with debt and equity and, and remodeling some resources and property management and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. That way, when you call up, you're saying, Hey, my name is Andrew. My partner Joe and I, we own 320 units together. Right. Um, we've done business with so and so. We run around with so and so construction company. Um, these, this, these are the past two asset managers that we've used in the different markets we cover. That sounds a whole lot. It's a whole different conversation, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like now I'm paying attention. Right. Yeah. Plus, with a newbie, you know, you know, you're going to be spending a lot more of your time kind of handholding and guiding them through, you know, giving them the contacts, I'd imagine. Just a lot more work for you as well. Yeah. I mean, I I personally am am perfectly fine working with newbies. I don't I don't mind handholding from time to time because I'm 46 years old. I feel like I'm going to be doing this probably for another 15, 20 years, maybe not right. at the same level, <laughs> at the same same number of hours. Um, but to me, I want I'm looking for long-term relationships. I I feel like if I can grow new folks, they'll stay with me forever, right? right. Just, just out of playing gratitude and, and, and actually giving them good advice and, and, and producing for them, right? Sure. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of brokers out there that just, they are super busy and they don't, they don't 
that, that's just not their thing. Like growing mm-hmm. people is not their thing. And that's, that's perfectly fine. Right. Um, I, you know, what I'm saying though, is just from a, from a, you know, an efficiency with your time standpoint, don't kill yourself in the very beginning announcing you're new all over the place mm-hmm. because you could lose a lot of people that way. True. Yeah. That's a great point. Now the market in Florida, especially is white hot right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're seeing multiple offers, you know, as, as you know, across the board, what's some, what's one thing somebody could do maybe to increase their odds of getting a deal uh, right now, whether newbie or, you know, more experienced buyer. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a number of things. <laughs> I wrote a whole book on it almost basically. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, in, in, in single family sales, okay. I'm, I'm going to give you an analogy in single family sales right now. It's, it's, it's the same, actually it's worse, right? Because there's just, there's even fewer homes that you can afford. Um, in my little Gainesville town where I'm based out of, there is less than one month supply of homes for sale. It's, wow. it's absolutely bonkers, less than a month. Meaning if no other houses came on the market, every house that's on the market right now would sell in under a month. What's the typical right? supply there? Uh, uh, I, I, don't, I don't know the, I don't study the numbers. I just, I look at sort of these summary sheets that some of the residential brokers send out. And I just, I okay. noticed the whole under one month. Um, oh, oh, to answer your question, equilibrium is six months. If oh, that was your question. Yeah. So six, if, if there's six months of inventory, this neither the seller nor the buyer has the upper hand. Right. And we're at under one month, right? So it's a huge seller's market. Wow. The average single family home is going to contract, going to contract, okay, in nine days. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. That's nuts. <laughs> uh, which means negotiations are happening in an hour, right? You know, in yeah. hours, not even days. Mm-hmm. You still have to tour the place, blah, 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 right? Right. Um, but in single family sales, you know, there are obviously multiple, multiple offers and all good single family salespeople are encouraging buyers to put together full bio packages, mm-hmm. cover letters, right? So I'm suggesting a cover letter about, you know, giving a little bit about yourself, what your background is, why you're the best buyer for it, what you, maybe even what you plan to do for it. So I'm like, I just sold a, oh. I sold a historic apartment building last year. And one of the winning buyers talked about how they were going to create a statue hmm. of the person who developed it, who still owns it and has wow. passed away, had passed away. Now the daughter runs it. Huh. He's going to put a statue of that person in the, in the, in the entry uh, foyer when you come in. That has an impact. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Right? <laughs> Um, and then, and then the second page would be, you know, some, um, you know, uh, basically a list of assets and addresses and number of units and where they are. Mm-hmm. Letters of recommendations from brokers you've done business with, because it's a, it's a hugely, I mean, it's an incredibly small world, right? Right. In, in the northern half of Florida, there's about 15 of us that control the market. We do 80% of the business. Mm-hmm. There might be another 30 or 40 brokers, but the 15, 20 of us are doing all the business and we right. all know each other and all the investors know us. Mm-hmm. So when you see letters of recommendation from Bo or, or Joe or Sam or whatever, yeah. they know that can call that person up. Letters of recommendations from, from um, debt sources, maybe from attorneys you've worked with, insurance people, whoever it is, sure. that has weight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I, I've actually seen this a couple of times. Um, this, is, this is going pretty far, but it was, it was interesting, was case studies. You know, mm-hmm. I had a couple buyers that turned in like a case study where they, they put something under contract, found something during due diligence, Right. And then said how they dealt with it, which was basically just they closed on it. It didn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. And this is why it didn't matter and closed on it, right? Okay. Um, 
I'm encouraging buyers to put their seller hat on and let's think about what would make a seller feel like you're sexy as hell, right? Mm -hmm. Like when they're reading your offer and they see the background and the cover page and the letters recommendations and, and the case study, when they're seeing that, like what makes you stand out? Mm -hmm. But that would, those are some of the things that can really make you stand out. Right. Yep. Um, but probably the number one thing is, is brokers or debt sources being able to vouch for you. I've yeah. done, I've, I've been able to pick a number of buyers in just the trailing 12 months for my sellers based on the ability of having been able to call a broker that I knew mm -hmm. that had done business with them to ask them how that transactions went, how they reacted when something came up. Sure. Did they close ahead of time or on time or late? Did they mm -hmm. use the extensions in their contracts? Okay. It's a big deal. That's interesting too, with the due diligence coming back and not retrading the seller, you know, showing that maybe you took it as is and not, Right, you know, making it a more smooth transaction. That's that's actually because really every seller thinks about that. I mean, again, right. like Andrew, you're sitting there in that chair, like put on your seller hat. Mm -hmm. You know, if if you know, one of the things you're always thinking about as you choose a buyer among twelve or fifteen offers is, right. you know, is this joker going to close? That's all right. we want to know. Exactly. Right? Like we're already looking at the list of offers and we see all the prices and the terms. We know these five out of these twelve are acceptable. Mm -hmm. Who's going to show up to closing? Right. right. And if you can yeah. remove that whole does this guy get scared when something comes up or does this guy retrade just because, you know, it's like in his blood mm -hmm. at someone you don't want to go to bed with. Yep. Yep. Totally agree. Speaking of that, uh, you always hear about the off market, you know, deals. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> are you seeing, uh, you know, many of those transactions happen and is there even such a thing as a true off market, you know, besides direct to seller, you know, it seems like that's kind of the yeah. buzzword now. So I'll, I'll tackle this in several different ways. I've, I've, I've done a few videos on this in the past. You know, um, I think in many buyers' minds, the off market to them means that they have reached a seller or a broker has brought a deal to them um, so early in the process that nobody else has seen it. Mm -hmm. They're the only human beings on earth looking at it. And, and, and they're going to get this five or 10% off market price, right? Sure. That never happens. <laughs> when, when, I, when I say never, like, I mean, statistically speaking, it's extremely rare and you certainly right. wouldn't want to create a business plan on doing that kind of transaction or you never would be buy anything. <laughs> yeah. Right. You may make more profit on that one, but you're only going to do one deal every three or four years. Right. And if that's your thing, totally cool, right? Mm -hmm. But the name of the game of this business is doing as many deals as possible, growing as big as possible so you can push people around. Right. The more units you own, the more I can sell you to my seller. Mm -hmm. right? yep. um, and so, but, you know, what, what we as a broker envision more of an off-market deal is the seller calls me up and says, hey, Bo, um, we want you to do a BOV with us. Uh, if we like your number, we're good to go. So I do a BOV. He likes the number. You know, he or she lists with me. Um, and he says, Bo, I don't want my staff to know about this. Mm -hmm. I don't want my tenants to find out about it. So I don't want it on a bunch of websites. Don't email blast it to tens of thousands of random people. Right. I want you to go to your targeted database and sell it. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, with today's technology, Andrew, uh, you know, brokers, good brokers have built a database that is filled with hundreds of phenomenal buyers with mm -hmm. endless equity. 
right? Yeah. So it really doesn't change anything. Mm-hmm. Okay? You're, you're still going to be competing. And even when, even when you think you're the only person, like, you know, I called up Andrew, Hey, Hey, Andrew, it's Bo the broker. I got this deal. It's an off market deal, blah, 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 blah. You know, we should, we take a run at it. Right. I'm still doing that with lots of people. I'm just, yeah. you know, some brokers are just going to make you feel special. I'm just telling you straight up. Right. I have to talk to lots of other people. It's my fiduciary responsibility. Yeah, exactly. Right now, you may be competing against much less in, a, in, a, in, a, in an off-market situation because it's not being blasted out all over the place and every Yahoo's turning it in. Mm-hmm. But you're probably competing against some of the best of the best because I've been limited by the seller on who to take it to. So I'm taking it to just killers. I'm mm-hmm. taking it to murderers in this business, yeah. right? Um, so listen, those, and, and there are every now and then a, what, what I would also envision as a really good off market. And I've done several of these, these exist, but again, you wouldn't want to base your business plan on it right. is Andrew's driving around, um, you know, Tallahassee, Florida, he's on vacation with his wife, sees an asset that he loves. Maybe the grass is a little bit taller. Maybe he thinks he could improve the rents. Maybe he saw that the management company managing it isn't that great of a management company because he knows them about he knows about them in a different market. Mm-hmm. So Andrew calls up Bo and says, "Hey, Bo, my wife and I are driving through this Tallahassee market. We see XYZ apartments over on Main Street. Who owns that? I'd love to take. I mean, I'd love to take a run at that. That's the exact kind of product that we buy. You know, it's the same number of stories, the same type. I own two of those in a different market. Like I think we could do that, right?" Mm-hmm. And so then I'm able to give you a scoop on it because I know every human being that owns every asset. Right. And I say, well, you know, as a matter of fact, Andrew, I haven't talked to Joe, the seller, in about six or seven months was the last time I called him and said, if he's open to selling, I think we should give him a call, right? Mm-hmm. And so I give Joe, the seller, a call and, and I say, hey, Joe, this guy, Andrew, I've done three deals with him in the past. He's legit. He's real deal. I know you get these calls all the time from, from a broker. Um, but he's got 1031 money. He's got eight days left in his identification period. He was on vacation with his wife in Tallahassee. You know, would you just entertain a quick offer list? I'm not, I'm not asking for a listing. I'm not going to take it to a bunch of other people. Like, let's just see what this guy does. Right. And Joe says, yeah, shit. Okay. No problem. All right. Mm-hmm. Let's take a run at it. That would be a true off market. Wonderful example. Right. Now, Joe, the seller ain't stupid, Andrew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Joe, the seller is not going to give you a 5% discount because it's not market. He's right. actually going to make you pay a premium yep. for not going to market. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. Agreed. Now, are there instances in which Joe, the seller, only owns two assets and hasn't sold a transaction in seven years and is kind of oblivious to what's going on in the world and sells it for 5% off? Sure. It's happened, right? But again, don't base your business plan on. Yeah, not very often. Don't spend <laughs> don't spend eighty percent of your day making those kinds of calls. The calls you want to make is to Bo Berry and every broker in the market, telling right. them about what your criteria is, telling them why you're a great buyer, so that when they get deals, they bring them to you asap as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Those are the guys who grow the biggest. Yep. And speaking of your data, by the way, uh, your website boberry.com on the resources tab. Yeah. Everybody should be going there. You have incredible <laughs> data, by the way. I love Thank it. You. So I guess, how did you, how did you start pulling that data? You know, when did you start it and, and what can people Woo! expect to gain from that? Yeah. So I would say it's probably been 12 or 14 years, maybe 10 or 12 years ago. You know, I, like many brokers, used to rely on the co-stars, mm-hmm. the Reese's, you know, all of these, these data websites 
for my information. And I just kept getting embarrassed when I would send something out and an investor would call me and say, that's wrong, or that's, that's, that's not correct, or that sale didn't happen, or that price is wrong. And I was just like, you know what? I, I mean, I'm, I'm so in love with data myself. It, was, it, would just, it would eat me alive. It would eat my ego alive. Right. I, I pride myself on this kind of information and it's wrong. So I'm just mm-hmm. like, I'm done with this shit. I'm going to build my own unbelievable database. I don't care what it costs. I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. So I spent the better part of a year. I could probably do it in, in four months now that I know how to do it. But I spent the bar- better part of a year. And what I did was I decided all of these websites and resources, all of them get their information initially from tax assessor websites. Mm. Tax assessors are the only human beings, the only organization on planet Earth that literally have every asset under the sun because they want to tax them. Right. It's the only place you can find this information. Yeah. And then the co-stars of the world build on top of that. The problem is, is that they're using, you know, $15, $20 an hour, 20-year-olds mm-hmm. to enter in the data and they don't know real estate. Right. They don't always know the difference between market rate and student housing. They don't get the units correctly. They don't mm-hmm. necessarily, you know, so it's just, it's, they're data mining thousands of assets. Whereas me, I'm just covering the Northern half of Florida. There mm-hmm. are only 1,978 assets. And so I can get pretty damn masterful at under 2,000 assets that mm-hmm. are owned by only 998 people in the world. So I exported every single asset over 10 units that was conventional and student housing, and I even did affordable housing, and I exported from the websites. Almost all municipalities have this ability. If they don't have that ability, oftentimes you can call them and either have them export and email it to you, or you can go visit them. Mm-hmm. There are some states I've heard since doing podcasts, there are some states, very minimal, that don't have any ability whatsoever. Like there's, no, It's like basically like right. a no-show state. They, won't, hmm. they, won't, they can't give you any information. Right. Okay. Which sucks. Then you have to rely on these other organizations. Mm-hmm. So I exported all these assets. And usually what you can get a proper property appraiser is parcel number, ownership entity, which is always an LLC. Mm-hmm. Some of them give you number of units. Most don't age when it's sold and what it last sold for. That's it. Yeah. So then I use other resources like the co-stars of the world driving by personal knowledge in the market to then also put in number of units, number of bedrooms, type of construction, kind of roof, how much value add is is there. I rank them A, B plus, B, B minus, C plus, C, C minus. So I have basically like 20 something columns Mm -hmm. in an Excel spreadsheet. Once I had everything perfect, even researching who the principal is, who the acquisition person is, who the disposition person is for that company, phone numbers, email addresses, who, and, 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 I, and I went way beyond <laughs> who the wives are, the kids are, where they went to school, who we know together, background mm-hmm. picture on Facebook, wow. what their, the picture downloads, articles they've written, articles about them, the, every asset they own in the state of ad nauseum. I have this. I have some about information about people that if they knew what I had about them, they would be freaked out. <laughs> right, yeah. But it's all public knowledge. Yeah. Right? It's amazing what's out there in the world. And so then I imported all that information into a CRM. I use Realnex, R-E-A-L-N-E-X. doesn't matter what CRM you use, but I import it in. And when I import, I import it in a fashion at which every one of those metrics is searchable. 
right? So if I'm working with a 1031 guy who has eight days left mm. and he's frantic, yeah. right? And he sold his asset with me, I'll spend the time to work with a buyer like that. Mm-hmm. And so I can take 1,967 assets and I can search each field. So if Andrew wants something that's over 150 units, conventional, built after 1990, that's B minus class or better, that's in Tallahassee or Gainesville only, that hasn't sold in the last two years, that hasn't refinanced in the last year, that doesn't, that isn't built of wood construction, that's 10 miles or more away from the coast, ba 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 that's incredible. I can take 1967 down to the only 33 assets they could ever buy in the entire Northern Nevada, Florida. Wow. And I can make 33 phone calls in about three days. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I can email them in an hour and then follow the phone calls right. and then hopefully do a deal. Mm-hmm. Right. But it's a hell of a lot better than just email blasting and calling random assets all over the place right. with zero opportunity to buy those. The ones I can get to because of my database and the way I've structured it, these are human beings that are the most apt to sell, right? They've mm-hmm. owned it for more than two or three years because if they own it for less than that, it's going to be hard to buy it. It had They haven't just refinanced it very, very recently. Otherwise, that way you don't have, um, you know, prepayment penalties. Sure. Um, I, you know, they've, they're at a certain process and they're in their remodel. All these indicators I track, mm-hmm. right? I have a whole bunch of algorithms. That's how I get listings as well. When I walk into my CRM every day and I pull it up, my CRM is telling me today, Andrew, who I need to call based on entries I did last month, last year, 10 years ago. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Andrew, the seller could have told me 10 years ago, Bo, you don't even need to call me until 2026. This is in the AB fund. Mm-hmm. That AB fund doesn't mature until. August of 2026, yep. ain't selling, can't sell it. It's in our prospectus, can't do it, mm-hmm. right? And so I'll put in to start calling him two years before 2026 to start, you know, buttering him up and, and getting him right. in there. And, and of course, he's on my drip marketing program for the other eight years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm still touching base with him. I'm adding as much value as I can. Sure. But every day I come in my office, it's telling me things that I've tried to predict are going to sell today. Mm-hmm. That's the power of databases. The guys who figure out the technology part of this business are the guys that win. There mm-hmm. are people way smarter than me and other, let's just say other brokers or even other investors in real estate. Mm-hmm. I'm not a genius in real estate, but I got the technology down and I've learned real estate. Yeah, the data is, I agree. It's incredible that you have and definitely data-driven investing is the way to go. You know, you've seen that <laughs> over and over yeah. again. So somebody, somebody looking in Florida, you know, a syndicator or somebody just looking to buy in their own portfolio, if they want to buy two, three deals a year, based on your data that you collect, how many markets should they be looking in to be able to achieve? Yeah. Great question. So um, the reason I cover the northern half of Florida as a broker, the way I came up with that is the way that investors should look at markets as well, which is I, as a broker, want to earn a certain GCI or gross commission income. Mm-hmm. Right. And in order to determine the number of markets, I've, I've got to determine the number of markets to cover based on the number of sales that occur and the market share I believe I can capture. Sure. Right. So when I started many, many years ago, obviously the first thing I looked at was Gainesville. Okay. Well, I looked up Gainesville and I did a five year analysis and determined that on average, only 12 deals a year sell over 10 units in the entire market. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. 
Um, and so I saw, I was like, okay, well, you know, I'm in Gainesville. Everyone knows me in Gainesville. I could probably capture more of those sales than anybody else, but that still ain't nowhere near enough. Right. Right. Even if I captured three or four of those, that ain't enough to make the kind of living I want to make. Mm-hmm. So then I said, okay, well, let me look at Ocala. Okay. Well, Ocala only has five deals a year that close. Okay. Right. And then I look at Volusia County. Well, Volusia County has 14, 15, depending on the year, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Jacksonville has 30 or 40 deals a year and it gets a little bit better sometimes. And then they've been high as high as high as almost 50, right? Mm-hmm. And so we started surveying. And so out of the 1967, 1967 assets that exist, let's just call it 2000 assets for, for round numbers. In any one market, I have determined only six to 8% of inventory closes per year. Hmm. So last year in 2021, which is one of the most robust years ever, there were only right. 160 deals done. So that was 8%. Wow. Most of the time it's five, 6%, right? Mm-hmm. So 120 to hundred, I think, I think my five-year average, the five-year average here is 137 deals occur per year in the Northern half of Florida. Then if you break right. it down by actual asset class, it's probably even a smaller number. Oh, even less. Yeah, absolutely. It's even, once I start getting, okay, well, how much in conventional? Mm-hmm. And how much if you cover only 100 units? And so it gets even smaller and smaller and smaller, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's why I cover anything over 10 units because, you know, will I sell will I sell a 20-unit deal, okay, that sells for $2 million and I get paid four or five points? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a six-figure check. I'll do that all day long, right? Yeah. A lot of the big brokers, though, they can't do $2 million deals, right? It's because, you know, they, they have to concentrate on the larger assets for the same reason investors who only buy 100-plus units can't buy a 20-unit deal it right. still takes the same amount of time, mm-hmm. right? Same amount of resources and intellectual capital to do those deals. Yep. They've got to concentrate on some of the bigger stuff. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. Plus, you know, third-party management for bigger, bigger deals. Yeah. You know, self-manage that thing, 10 units. <laughs> you know? but, to, but to answer your question, to summarize that is, you need to cover enough number of markets and you need to study these markets and export all the closings. You, got, mm-hmm. you have to know that stuff. If you don't have someone like me in, my, in the market that covers all these, then you have to find a broker who does or look at the information yourself. But you're looking for enough number of transactions that based on the type of transaction you buy and the market share you think you can capture. And by the way, you're pretty much a murderer, okay, if you can get three to 5% market share. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're, you know, if there's 200 transactions that happen in the northern half of Florida, okay, and you're doing six of those transactions just in the northern half of Florida, that's pretty damn good. Yeah. The reality is a lot of a lot of the bigger investors they're covering multiple states, mm-hmm. okay. But right. a three to five percent penetration is pretty damn good, even for a broker. A three to five percent penetration is pretty damn good. It's mm-hmm. hmm. interesting. Well, I would say five percent for a broker. Okay. Now, so I was looking at your data and just some of the other data I've looked at. So they say we have a thousand people a day moving to Florida right now. <laughs> So if you can get out your, you know, your crystal ball and you're looking yeah. five, 10 years from now, we have a housing shortage. Uh, interest rates are increasing, but I don't think they're going to stay high uh, or go high. You know, rents right. are increasing. What do you see for Florida, you know, in your opinion, maybe five, 10 years from now for multifamily investors? Yeah, I, I just, it's going to be super strong. I mean, and I'm not saying this because I'm a multifamily broker. You have to understand when I made the choice 12 years ago or 10, whatever it was, 10, 12 years ago to go all in multifamily instead of being a generalist in office and retail and industrial. Mm-hmm. I'm not the type of guy that makes that decision lightly, right? You know, I'm a data nerd. I studied this. Mm-hmm. My coach and I, my commercial real estate coach and I studied what at that time when I was in my early thirties, what is going to take us to 60, 65 years old? 
Mm-hmm. We have to concentrate. We know that no broker who makes a ton of money is a generalist. They all concentrate what asset class we're going to concentrate on. Right. And we studied everything. We studied the number of deliveries that has to happen between now and the next 20 years to even catch up with demand on the rental side. Mm-hmm. We studied the trajectory of housing prices and how every year it's going to get worse and worse and worse. You can't yeah. afford a home anymore, right? Mm-hmm. right? We studied how seniors are all renting like crazy. Mm-hmm. We studied how millennials will absolutely just be renting. They want to be able to bounce around and be fluid and take jobs and move around and so forth, right? Sure. Um, we studied how um, the, 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 the regulatory environment of getting developments improved has increased construction costs and land development costs to an insane level, right? Mm-hmm. Which, which basically means that we'll, we will never be able to deliver as a whole the number of units we need to. And then when we do, the rents are going to continue to be high, 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 mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Which means that existing assets, rents will continue to go up in a nice little clip. Because sure. as long as you're under new construction rents, you're going to do fine, mm-hmm. right? Yep. So we looked at all this. And I went all in. I bet my whole life, my family, everything I own on multifamily taking me from at the time was an early 30-year-old into my 60s. Mm-hmm. And I did that for a reason. And, and I knew in Florida, I was going to have that. So to answer your question, we're going to continue to have migration to Florida. And my, and my guess is, is that initially, everyone likes to come into the southern half of Florida. Right. That's the Miami, the Fort Lauderdale's. You know, because it's it's sexy, it's got good beaches, there's high incomes, everyone drives nice cars, there's beautiful houses. Mm-hmm. But what's happening already in Miami and moving up is it's extremely busy. The people who move from California, right. New York, New Jersey, Texas to get out of the hustle and bustle, they're moving in and they're like, what in the <laughs> hell? Yeah, exactly. This is horrible, right? Right. So people are moving northern up Florida, mm-hmm. right? So that's why Orlando and Tampa are exploding. Orlando and Tampa are still very busy. It takes sometimes longer to drive around, right? Mm-hmm. right. But there's a lot of, of outskirt towns to Orlando and Tampa that still takes under 45 minutes to get into Orlando. And you can live in, in municipalities around Tampa and Orlando that are, that are wonderful. They're like suburbia, oh. right? Oh, yeah. But I and the more northern right you get, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the less hustle and bustle it is. Right. So I just believe that deliveries, period, will not catch up to demand. It may in pockets like, you know, FSU student housing exploded over the last few years. Gainesville student housing walking distance over the next several years has a lot of bedrooms come in. So that, so there will be some overbuilds here and there in, in certain pockets. Mm-hmm. But as a whole, Florida is going to be gangbusters, brother. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Yep, absolutely. Um, and, you know, no tax, no tax, you know, income tax, the weather. For now. <laughs> yeah, it's true, right? <laughs> no rent restrictions for now. Yeah. I mean, it's talked yeah. about. Hopefully not. You know, we'll see. Right. You know. I agree. So over your, over your career, you've done a lot, of, a lot of deals, obviously. What's something that you've seen maybe someone made a mistake on and what an investor could learn from that mistake? Yeah. I mean, the one, the one that irritates me the most that makes no financial sense that um, that I see all too often, um, and I understand why it happens. But I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what it is because I think if you can master just this one thing, you'll do more deals, and you'll start mm-hmm. to see the bigger picture in the bigger light. Which is that you know when when folks get involved in a multifamily deal, let's say you're you're under contract on something, or 
you're not even under contract. You're just under, you're underwriting it and trying to evaluate this thing, right? Is that, you know, the, the uh, allowing small things that come, every, every multifamily transaction is going to have something that comes up, mm-hmm. okay? There's too many bedrooms and bathrooms and kitchens and land and acreage. There's never a smooth deal. I mean, I do maybe one deal a year where I'm just kind of like, holy shit, that was as clean as it gets, right? <laughs> yeah. Everyone loves each other. It was a perfect transit. just doesn't happen, right? right. And so if, if something's always going to happen, something's always going to come up during due diligence, you have to make decisions, think about IRR mm-hmm. and cash on cash, not, don't be what I call a principle-based investor. Meaning, let's say during due diligence, something comes up. Uh, 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 there's a type of piping that you weren't told about. Uh, uh, there's asbestos or you know, whatever it is. Everything right. has, has a financial number to it, mm-hmm. okay? And what most buyers do is they say, hey, Bo, the seller didn't tell me about that or the seller didn't know about that or whatever. The, it doesn't matter whose fault it is. This came up at, and, and Bo, I'm the buyer. The seller needs to fix this. He needs to come off the price $500,000, yep. right? $300,000, whatever it is. Let's say you're looking at a $30 million deal and a $500,000 uh-oh came up. Mm-hmm. The automatic thought is to retrade, right? Right. What that does is it, it kills your reputation. Mm-hmm. That seller owns other assets. They're never going to entertain selling to you. Right. That broker's probably not going to bring you other deals. And the reality is, is when you plug in $500,000 in extra cost upfront into your pro forma, on a five, seven, or 10-year hold, ain't going to move your IRR that much. I know it's a big-ass number, but I've run the numbers. Take out your pro forma right now and play with a $30 million deal and play with $500,000 in year zero and see what it does to your IRR, Mm -hmm. right? So you're going to get principle-based, but it's the principle of the matter, right? I need $500,000 off. But now you've cut off deals ever seen from that broker, from that seller, that seller's going to talk to other friends who are sellers. That broker's going to mm-hmm. talk to other investors and other brokers who are possible sellers in the future, right? right. And so, so, there, so that's one component. The other component is that seller sees nine other people behind you mm-hmm. who, will, who will accept that thing that came up. Because I, as a broker, as soon as you bring that to me, I'm already talking to the next four guys in line and saying, hey, hey, Sam, Andrew just brought up, the, he just found this issue. Seller didn't know about it. It is an issue. Mm-hmm. If Andrew pushes this and I come to you, are you going to stand by your price right. without, and, and, and absorb that 500 grand? And I guarantee the answer is hell yeah. yeah. Tell Andrew to piss off. Let <laughs> right. me step in that. Let me step exactly. in that deal right now. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that that's, and then let's just say that none of that even exists. The fact that you as a buyer are willing to risk this deal. Okay. And not earn $8 million seven years from now when you go to sell it right. makes no sense to me. Okay, mm-hmm. Let's just say you only make $4 million on a $30 million deal seven years from now, which is impossible. Yeah. Let's just say you just make $4 million. Are you sad about a half million dollars now? Not at all. Right. And so it's just people get so entrenched emotionally in something that comes up instead of thinking of this logically and long-term mm-hmm. time cures all stuff. Right. True. And even on the front end, as you're evaluating this and turning in a letter of intent, right? Like always offer the most you can possibly pay and it still makes sense to you. 
Mm-hmm. What most people do is they underwrite it. They know what number they can pay. They can pay $31 million on this $28 million, or let's just say they can pay $31 million on this $30 million ask price. Mm-hmm. But they're going to turn in 29 because they're going to try to just win it. Yeah. And that ain't the game you want to play in any market, especially <laughs> in this market. Right. Because there ain't yeah, no second, there, there's no like second chance. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So many times a deal closes and the second, third, and fourth place guy calls me up. And they're like, dude, I had to come <laughs> up $500,000 more. Right. Right. Yep. Exactly. See it all the time. All the time. And I, and I get it. I get it. We, yeah. we, a lot of us are guilty in it in smaller stuff. We walk into a garage sale and we see a widget that's, mm-hmm. that's only for $3. But we think we can get it for two dollars, right? Right, natural. So we offer it two dollars, right? And someone mm-hmm. sometimes they take it, and and you know, hey, if the guy behind me says, eh, "I'll pay three dollars," we don't yeah. care. We just lost a dollar. Yeah, but I'm so thirty it's, million. It's ingrained in our brains <laughs> over time. Yeah, yep, I agree. <laughs> and half a million is going to cost you, like you said, relationships. You know, potential deals, which is worth way it's more. The potential than that. deals is the big deal. And, and the problem is people, you can't quantify it. Right. And so, right. and so people don't put a whole lot of weight on it, but it's true. It's not because brokers are, are, are vindictive or sellers are vindictive. This is just the way the human brain works. Yep. When I saw you retrade $50,000. Okay. <laughs> on a, on a $3 million deal. Mm-hmm. It's, it's stained in my brain. I can't not think about that on the next offer you turn in on. Yeah. I'm thinking about that. And mm-hmm. when there's five offers or 10 offers on that next offering, I almost, I feel obligated to tell the seller, whoa, 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 whoa. Right. Let me tell you what happened between Andrew and I three transactions ago. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I just want you to know this seller because I don't want to get down this road and then you blame me for having to select the wrong guy. Especially if it comes up again, you know? <laughs> you Absolutely. Exactly. Yep. So last question, then we're going to get into our five to thrive. Yeah. Uh, if you could step in my shoes for the interview, uh, what's one question that you would ask yourself that I didn't ask you? Ooh, um, that's a great one. Um, I'm sorry. I don't remember. I, I, I didn't, I didn't think about this beforehand. Probably, um, Bo, what, what is something that you wish you knew coming up in the business early on? Mm-hmm. And I would say it is um, not working with bad reputation people. A lot of us um, partner up or get with or do transactions with folks that, and it can even be your attorney. It could be your property manager. It could, you know, whoever it is that's on your team, if you sniff, yeah, they may be good at something, but they have this reputation that you know about in the market. You don't want to associate with those guys. Right. Because the outside world sees that as well, right? Mm-hmm. And they just, people want any, any excuse to not have to be able to eliminate you from something and choose the right person. So I would, early on, choose your partners, right? Your attorneys, your phase one people. All these people are part of your brand, whether they're on your company or not. Yeah, great advice. I agree. So what's, what's the best way for people to contact you? I know you've got your YouTube. They should definitely sure. get your book. You know, what's, yeah, what's the best way to get. Yeah, away? three ways. Uh, this book you got to get: multifamily investors who dominate. That's what it looks like right here. It's on Amazon in hardcover. It's on Audible. It's on Kindle. 
the reason you want to buy that is it, this is this is sort of the inside look. These are the inside conversations between brokers and sellers. This is how we choose buyers. This is how buyers, these are how some of the best buyers in the world grow way faster than most buyers and, and what they do. And I've, I've tracked these guys for 20 years. Mm-hmm. The second way to reach me is my YouTube channel, Bono's Multifamily. I've got stuff on there for beginners, for advanced level guys. I've got analytical stuff on there. Sometimes I put new listings on there out of the blue before I tell anybody about them. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, my website is bobeery.com, B-E-A-U-B-E-E-R-Y.com. I got all kinds of amazing stats on there. And even if you're not in the Florida market, you don't invest in the Florida market. The reason you want to visit my resources section at the top of the website is I want you to study the kind of information I have within the markets that I cover. And if you as the investor can master that stuff that I have on those web pages for your markets, you will be unstoppable. And brokers and sellers will notice the kind of the kind of data you have in your brain, and they want to select people like that to work with. They want to select people like that to bring deals to because they know you know the market like the back of your hand. They know that because you know the market so well, you can react in seconds. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I got to say that resources tab is incredible. I was shocked by the amount of data in there. I've good. I've sent good. it to a lot of people actually. <laughs> so. Awesome. So now we got our five to thrive, which is basically just, it's a word association game. So I'm just going to rapid fire five words okay. uh, and just give me the first word or phrase that comes to your mind. The only thing is you can't repeat your answer twice. Okay. Got All it. Right. All right. So the first one is Florida multifamily. Hot, hot, hot. <laughs> well into the future. Oh yeah. Data driven investing. Um the most powerful skill that I think you need to learn mm-hmm. truly marketing, uh, branding, marketing is reputation. It's branding. It's what get, it's what gets opportunities brought to you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Passive income. Woo. Beautiful. Love it. <laughs> it's the freedom. It's the, it's what's going to take you into the, you know, into your retirement years and give you the life you want, man. Yep, absolutely. And last one, Bo Berry. Um, Data-driven, goofy, fun, likable, um, productive, all those things. I like it, man. I like it. Well, it's been a great interview. Thanks so much for taking your time and coming on, and I appreciate it. Great to see you. No, thanks for the opportunity, man. 